Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Edwin, what text are we reading today? I'm in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 3. I am reading from the English Standard Version. And Saul approved his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I guess I went on to verse 4 there. But that's Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 from the English Standard Version. And again, Andrew, you and I have been doing this long enough for me to know that the first question you want answered is in verse 1 when it says, And Saul approved of his execution. Who's the his? I want to start by saying thank you to all of our faithful listeners, because at this point you can already start to answer these questions. You've uh, tuned into several episodes, and what you know is on our last episode and uh, the last series, we were talking about Acts chapter 7, and we were talking about Stephen, the man who has the privilege of being the first martyr for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has been killed um, at the hands of the Sanhedrin Council, the ruling body of the Jews at that time in Jerusalem. They took him out and they stoned him, uh, the death of a blasphemer. And we talked about in some of those episodes some of the striking parallels between the treatment of Stephen and the treatment of Christ. We made the point again and again that if you follow Jesus, then part of it is being prepared to be treated as he was treated. The whole issue of blasphemy came up again. It's only blasphemy if it's not true. Everything he said was right on. He spoke the truth. He spoke, if I could use the expression, he spoke truth to power. But the power stoned him to death and kicked off this persecution. And so now we've had a shift. We mentioned this in chapter 6 before Stephen's sermon. We've got a shift in the persecution. It went from the priests and the leaders persecuting and harassing the leaders of the church to now it is the people among the Jews who are persecuting the people among the church. And it causes a shift. 
I know as we're going through some of the difficulties in our modern time right now, I've heard some conversations over the last couple of weeks, and folks have said things like, why, when, when folks were persecuted back in the first century, it didn't, it didn't affect their meetings. They just met anyway, except that's not what we see here. We see that there was an effect. Here a persecution comes up, and the Jerusalem church scatters. Rather than meeting on that first day of the week, the Jerusalem church scattered, and when those folks scattered, they didn't have churches to be a part of. It took some time for that to come back together, but they did finally reach that new equilibrium. We understand that. We see a scattering, but what did they do? How did they reach that new equilibrium? What did they do that allowed them to get churches started in other places? They went everywhere preaching the word. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I find that phenomenal. So a couple of things on that. And the first is that as we're tracking through Acts and kind of making our notes and following an outline, we are called back to the first chapter where basically uh, the Lord set out in uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, quoting Jesus. He said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He has set out here a progression of this gospel ministry that the apostles are going to conduct. So far in our reading, it has been Jerusalem. They have been witnesses in Jerusalem. Now this persecution moves them, scatters them beyond Jerusalem. And where shall they go and preach? Well, you know, in upcoming episodes, we're going to be looking at the rest of this 8th chapter. We're going to be seeing action in Judea, Samaria, and certainly to the ends of the earth. So part of it is we're we're not... um, we're not, um, um, I guess I'll just say we're not shocked to see that the gospel is going to go beyond this city. We might be a little surprised to see the mechanism, though, that forces it out, and that is this persecution. We would never wish persecution on anyone. Sadly, it is a recurring story of Christianity throughout the ages. But as remarkable, what is remarkable, I guess one thing about persecution coming upon God's people, is it always seems to motivate the greater spread of truth. I mean, if, if, if you can think about taking a, what is it, a, a, a dandelion? Yeah. And you blow on it. I know. You, you, our listeners, again, didn't appreciate the visual there. <laughs> but if you can imagine being a child, picking a dandelion out of a field and blowing on it, okay? Uh, all the Christians are together in Jerusalem. There's that dandelion in your hand, and then you blow on it, and it just scatters everywhere, right? And that's what the persecution is doing here. Scattering it everywhere. I don't think this is a judgment from God, and yet Jesus had told the apostles, this is what you're supposed to do, and it hadn't happened yet. And so Jesus now has this mechanism lead them to what was already planned. Now, I want to bring something out of left field for you here. Uh, I I don't don't know where left is for me, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, for you, it's over there. (laughs) Again, a nice visual. I find it interesting that Jesus said to the apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And we start to see that fulfilled here. And yet the apostles all stayed in Jerusalem. Mm. And I find that interesting. And I think it gives us some indication about that great commission that we see at the end of the gospels when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of all nations. And 
I'm going to step out on a limb. I know that there are some who disagree with it. There are some who look at those passages and say that was specifically for the apostles. And I think the reason folks say that is because what they are seeing in those commissions is a direct statement that you, individual apostle, are supposed to travel into other nations and make disciples in other nations. And they're they're wanting to say that not every Christian is responsible to travel into other nations. I agree. Not every Christian is responsible to travel into other nations. What I want to see here is Jesus' commission of the apostles is being fulfilled not because the apostles themselves went into every nation, but because the apostles were leading a movement and they were training people who, when they went into every nation, they were testifying and preaching the word and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And that was a fulfillment of that great commission. Even as the apostles were staying in Jerusalem, the commission they were given, because it was not a commission to them as an individual, it was a commission about the establishment of this church, of this kingdom, and their key role in spreading that kingdom. And we see it happening right now. Well, sure. And that's not to say that, you know, they always stayed in Jerusalem, even as we're going to read in this eighth chapter. Uh, Peter and John, they they make a a push into the Samaritan region, right? And uh, in the 10th chapter, um, Peter's going along with Judah, excuse me, Judea. Later on in the book of Acts, Paul's going to come to the city and uh, he's going to meet with James by name. And James has some great things to talk about. But where is Peter then? Where is John then? It's, it's kind of a noticeable absence later on. Uh, so while the commission is about the word and spreading the word everywhere, the apostles were faithful in that by giving themselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. And they're faithful in that and the opportunities they had later to write inspired letters, to travel and to preach other places. And they had trained people. And this is what's fascinating to me. And this is what is convicting to me about what we are doing today as congregations and what you and I, Andrew, are doing today as evangelists and preachers. And I think elders need to be thinking about this. This persecution arose Mm -hmm. and it could have been the destruction of the body of Christ. But instead, instead, as as every problem had been so far, it actually ended up being the multiplication of of the body of Christ. Why? Because through their teaching, through their instruction, through all that they had done, they had prepared people. And and even though I doubt they were saying, okay, guys, today we've got to learn this because who knows what's going to happen next. The folks were ready. When the persecution hit and they were scattered, they were ready to talk to people about Jesus Christ. They were ready to talk about the word. And I think that's something that that we need to be focused on. We need to be instructing and training and teaching. And the the instruction and the training and the teaching is not just so that each individual Christian can have a personal comfort level about their own salvation and a personal level of growth about how each of us is supposed to be acting and behaving. It's because there are going to be moments when we can teach and we need to be prepared and we need to be ready. Well, you know, it's 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 the difference in saying we've got an evangelism plan. Let's go work this plan. And evangelism is in the DNA of a Christian. You know, so like I, I heard the kind of the uh, sports expression. I can't remember which boxer it is now. Everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Right. Every, everybody's got a plan. Here is uh, active exponential growth of the kingdom of Christ And it's not because they got out their big map of the world or map of the Roman Empire in Jerusalem and said, okay, Barnabas, you're taking a team here. And okay, Philip, you're taking a team there, right? It's persecution 
They got to go. They got to go now. But as they go, they're preaching the word. It, it is God's great plan. It is the great commission. But my point is that um, in the face of this uh, challenge, they know the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they go. The other thing I want to just point out in verse 3 is how terrible this persecution was. When it says Saul made havoc of the church. It was horribly disrupted, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This is unrestricted warfare, men and women, hauling them to prison. Why prison? This is like inquisition type tactics here. You guys are criminals against the state because you're blasphemers or you're aligned with these blasphemers and you're going to have to take it back. You're going to have to make it right. That's what Paul's doing. Saul is doing. The English Standard Version uses the word ravaging the church. Wow. Ravaging the church. It was intense. And so you could understand why if the people fleeing from Jerusalem, where their houses have been broken into, where their neighbors, their brothers and sisters have been hauled off to jail, why when they went to these other towns and other villages and other cities throughout Judea and Samaria and the Roman Empire, why they might have kept their mouths shut. But you know what? If they wanted to keep their mouths shut, they could have stayed in Jerusalem. Good point. I mean, really, that's the deal with, with Inquisition-type tactics. You can make this stop anytime you want. You just recant. You just take it back. If you want to keep your home and stay in Jerusalem, stop being a Christian. That'll be fine. If you want to be a Christian and hold to this truth, uh, then, then, then they went where they could go and practice it. Two things I want to see before we wrap up here. I want us to see this whole point from two different angles. There's the congregational angle, the, the angle of the church and the leaders, the preachers, the elders, the deacons that need to have in mind some type of plan, some type of teaching program plan process that says we don't know what's coming but we're going to be growing up our members to be these kinds of teachers of the word that mm. if they end up someplace where there is no church they could get one started yeah. just like these folks did that's what they did but now there's the other side of this from the individual christian the congregational member who sometimes can come into a congregation and and sit back and just kind of be a passive recipient i want to encourage each and every one of us as individuals to take the initiative ourselves to take the initiative ourselves that I want to be this kind of person. And so I'm going to listen and learn with the view that that as opportunities arise, I'm ready for them. Yeah, so I'm we, part we, of the cause of Christ. Yes, we need to have that from those two angles. Why don't you pray about that for us, Andrew? Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time to open up the Bible, to study from Acts chapter 8, to see, Father, that uh, even in terrible circumstances in times past, you've never forsaken your people. Father, that you have a message which transcends place and culture and time. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the hope of our souls today. And we pray, Father, that come what may in difficult circumstances and changing circumstances, your people would be true to you in faith, Share the good news with others. Please bless us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. <laughs>